This morning as we consider um, where we are at in our relationship to Christ, where, where we fall in this um, movement of, of uh, not knowing Christ to uh, becoming full disciples, as we consider that once again, we'll be reading from the book of Ephesians. Uh, we'll be reading from chapter 2, the whole of chapter 2 this morning. Pray that God gives us wisdom as we, uh, again, meditate on these words this morning. Ephesians 2 at verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, may God grant us uh, wisdom this morning as we consider these words. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, as we looked at, uh, as we began our service, uh, has this wonderful way of reminding us of 
who we are in God, who we are in the person of Jesus Christ, and, and what that means for us. There's this wonderful introduction there. Uh, if you have time, read all of chapter 1 again today and remind yourself of who we are in Christ. Paul's letter to the Ephesians is this uh, wonderful book of, of, of where we are, where we've been, and what we're called to. I would encourage you too, if you have 20 minutes or so, read the whole book of Ephesians in one sitting and look at the marvelous plan of God as Paul describes it to the church in Ephesus. It's a wonderful account of what's being done in the world for us and through us. It will, I'm sure, uh, strengthen your uh, minds and your hearts in, in where we are and what our calling is. And so after this wonderful opening that takes place there at the beginning of, of Ephesians, Paul starts out in chapter 2 and says, And you were dead. He makes a radical shift in his ideas that he's trying to convey, but he wants us to understand those things that are absolutely clear to us. Or in case we have forgotten to reiterate our condition before coming to Christ. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's a, that's a sobering reminder, brothers and sisters, of, of how we are without Christ. And, and we all start in the, in the same place. Uh, when Jesus says to anybody, come and see this, this first chair of, of come and take a look at the things of Christ. When you come and you begin in this place, we all start, every one of us, dead. In our sins. Nobody comes to this life as full members of the family of God. Nobody does. We, we have this tendency to think that because we were raised in a Christian home, we're not dead. Paul will make that clear. Uh, we were dead in our sins. That's the way we come into this life. It, it is a, a grim but accurate picture of the world in which we come into. Uh, David said uh, in Psalm 51, uh, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Not that she was sinful in conceiving him, but the world in which she brought him into was one of iniquity and sin, brokenness and separation from God. We all come into life that way. David reminds himself of that. Our entrance into this world is an entrance into those that are dead. A stark reminder. Uh, verse 12 in our reading today says, Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants, having no hope and without God in the world. 
if you can't appreciate the straightforward clarity of Scripture in this place, I think we're missing it because Paul is not making any excuses or or sugarcoating anything. He wants us to realize where we are at before we come into relationship with Jesus. You were dead, separated from Christ, without hope, and without God in the world. He says, we were by nature, just by our human nature, children of wrath, like the rest of the world. There's not a group of people that comes into the world as a special people that have the upper hand advantage where they don't need God, where they already have a leg up on God, where they can claim some sort of position just by birth that makes them right with God, not even the people of Israel. There were certainly benefits of being born uh, into the, the covenant family of Israel. Uh, just like we would understand that there is great benefit uh, for us having many of us raised up in Christian homes. There's great benefit to that. Because right away from early childhood, from those earliest days that we can remember, uh, we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. This is my Father's world. Holy, holy, holy. All the songs that we know and the new songs that are out there today, we grow up with these songs in those households of faith. But it doesn't mean that we are already alive. It means we have a good exposure. But everybody comes into the world in the same way. And nobody has in and of themselves a better position or a better condition than anybody else. Our condition is all the same. We're born into a sinful world separated and alienated from God and in Christ. And so we have to change that. We have to understand how that happens in our world. And while we were all dead, there is such wonderful news. And we heard it again today. Two simple words to get your minds going. But God, even though this is who we are, Even though this is our condition, God has a different plan, has a purpose, has a future for us. But God, it says, rich in mercy. I need His mercy. I need Him to withhold from me that which I rightfully deserve. That was the message of the cross that we recently looked at. The mercy of God through the love of Jesus Christ being poured out on people that deserve to stand there or hang there themselves. God, rich in mercy, has a plan for you and a plan for me. He has a plan for those that don't know Him yet because of His great love. Not a love that started at the cross. This was a love that was before all time a love that existed before the world did. He looked on you with love before the world was even created. Things that we just don't comprehend. 
But God, rich in mercy, great in love, has made dead people alive. Jesus didn't come into the world, nor the plan of God is not that He would make good people better or struggling people uh, better than they were. The plan of God, the grace of God, the, the work of Jesus Christ is so that He could make dead people alive. That's the good news. God has a plan for all those that are dead. I was having a conversation not so long ago with somebody that was talking about uh, going into the land of the living. Uh, that was something that was said in Psalm 27. At the end of Psalm 27, as David, as David is uh, hoping for what's coming yet, and I'm confident, he said, that I will see uh, God in the land of the living. Uh, and so, brothers and sisters, uh, if this life is primarily characterized because of the death that exists, the land of the living is ultimately fulfilled in the life after this one. But, there's, but that life that we're longing for in its fullness starts in this one, where God came to dead people and made them alive, and only by His grace. Rich in mercy and full of grace, not only withholding that which we deserve, but lavishing on us what we don't. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, as James says, reminding us of that, that grace of God. It's only by His grace. That, that is such good news for us because if I have to work for my position in His kingdom... Uh, there are days when uh, that just wouldn't happen. I wouldn't earn it. If you're a procrastinator, you'll, you'll earn it tomorrow. If you're lazy, you'll just never get up and go around and get and about to do it. If you're an overachiever, uh, you will think that everything you do has something to do with your salvation. And the message of the Gospel, the message that Paul is bringing to us here, is that it's only by grace that you have been saved. Only. To me, that's a great comfort. That's, that's part of the good news that it's God's grace that does it because He is still holy, holy, holy. He is perfect in all of His ways, loving in all that He does. And so His plan of salvation is always perfect. And so His grace towards us, His love that He lavishes on us is a perfect and full and complete love and grace. Grace that came, it says, even when we were dead in our sins. Just, just a reminder there that, that you were dead, remember? You were dead and that's when the grace came to you. You didn't have to get to some certain place first and then the grace of God is revealed. While you were dead in your sins, grace came. Even while you were dead in your sins, Christ died for you. That's God's grace. 
And that is such wonderful good news. Sometimes we need to be reminded of the fact that uh, we don't carry in and of ourselves anything that is pleasing to God. Nothing. You know, if you're uh, discouraged by the fact that we are just incapable, dead, in our trespasses, but you know, if, if you and I can't comprehend our deep need, our desperate need for the, for the grace of God through Jesus Christ, if we can't grasp that, we've still not come to grips with the gospel message. It was, it was Him working on our behalf. It was completely His grace. So, so when Paul was speaking to the churches of Galatia, he said, you started well. Why did you go back? The grace of God doesn't just get us started and then we take over. That was his rebuke to the Galatians. Why did you think that the grace of God would lead you to this place of, of knowing God, of, of, of having life in Christ, only to go back to be slaves again? Why would you do that? You haven't understood grace if you think that grace is just the starting point that uh, allows you to carry on the work. It isn't that way. Grace is that which continues all throughout your life. God removes His grace and we're all lost, every one of us. And so we live and exist in His grace. Verse 13 in our text says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. That's the good news. In, in Christ Jesus, we're all brought into that place where we can be a part of that family. And so do you realize, do you realize what this means for us? Have you, have you begun to see how, how much this will be affecting the way we live our lives in this world? We all start at the same place of desperate need Everyone does. That needs to be clear in our minds. Everybody comes into this life separated from Christ without God and without hope. But God, through Christ, brings us into that place of relationship with Him. The the cross is the, the level playing field for all of us. Everybody comes to the cross in desperate need. And we're all saved by grace. Not only are we uh, brought into relationship with Him, but because we are in Christ, that means we are seated with Him as well. Christ exists now in His body, in His flesh, in the presence of His Father, seated at the right hand of His Father. And so are you. In Him, we have received that. We are at this of, of place of being uh, seated with Him, it says, in the heavenly realm. Uh, not that that's going to happen someday. That's the way God sees you now like He sees His Son. We've been brought in by adoption as sons. 
as the same way as His Son is before Him, so are we being adopted into that family. The, the level playing field that exists at the cross separates this idea of us versus them. Because I know that mentality still exists. It certainly exists in the world as, as people that are separated from God and without Christ. That mindset of us versus them is what drives people to hostility and hatred. It's what divides us. There are those that are good and those that are bad. There are those of our kind and those that are not our kind. That, that us versus them mentality still exists. And I suspect, as, as uh, I found even in preparing for this, that uh, my mind is like this too. We consider ourselves the us, right? Uh, those that sit here in the church, we are the us and they are the them. Those that are the good and those that are not yet. Those that rightfully belong to the family of God and those that, boy, we wish they would. The message that Paul is trying to make so clearly here is that we all start as the them. Us is when we come into relationship with Christ. It's not that we began life that way. And so when we realize too that we are, we are all on an equal plane to start life. Who are we competing with? We all come in at the same place. And from there, the free gift of grace comes to everybody. When Jonah goes to Nineveh and preaches a a, a message of doom, unless you repent, you know, if, if Pharaoh would have fallen down on his knees and let God's people go, it would have been a different story. The message to receive the goodness of God comes to all people. It's an open-handed message of grace. It's yours to take. Some people don't like to take that. Some people are so bent on working for it that grace seems cheap. You remember Maundy Thursday? Good Friday? Grace is never cheap. There was such a great cost to it. A huge and unpayable cost. And so, when we realize that we are all in this world together in the same place, it makes it easier for us to... to reach out to those around us instead of looking at them as less than us or people that don't deserve what we have or they're getting what they deserve. We can see those people as we were. Paul would say in another letter, and such were some of you. Listing all the horrible types of people, murderers and adulterers and coveters and slanderers and gossipers and all these kinds of things, and that's what you were, some of you. And so we're not, we're not separated from them because we're better than them. 
We've just actually received the free gift of grace already. And that's what we want to bring to other people. That's why this is uh, such a good news for us as well. We don't have to uh, think of ourselves uh, as better than or them as less than. God's building all of us together into one beautiful structure. One blessed family through which the whole world will then hear of Him. And if you would read the rest of Ephesians, you'll find out how important that is to keep bringing that message out there and how we are uh, being reconciled in our world with those that have always been the them kind of people. Verse 10 says, We are His workmanship. While we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us, but God, rich in mercy, full of love, saved us by His grace. And that means we are His workmanship. We, you and I, are His masterpiece. That's why when we see people in our world that are so bent on killing those people that bear the image of God, it grieves us because they are yet to be His masterpiece skillfully woven together in the womb by the Creator God as only He could do. We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Yes, He does have things for us to do. There is work for His people to do. It isn't work that saves us. It's work that excites us. It's work that frees us. It's, It's work that brings the good news outside of these walls and reaches to those that need to hear it yet. You are His workmanship, His masterpiece, created to do good works, which God has long prepared beforehand. Even before the foundation of the world, He had a plan for what you were going to do. That we should walk in those things. I had this passage Uh, being played uh, in my mind over and over and over again yesterday as I walked. And every time it would say, and there's more places in in Ephesians, so again, I would uh, encourage you, uh, read Ephesians 1 and see the glorious place that we have in Christ already because of that, and then be reminded again of this message here this morning of where that all took place, how we started, and then go on from there And keep reading and seeing how we're supposed to walk in this world having received the free gift of grace. We are meant to walk in these things. Live in these things. We are meant to live out our faith and and prove our salvation. Giving evidence to that. And doing it in such a winsome way that it it draws people in so so that people that are in this place where they want to come and see and that's, that's, the, that's the invitation we put out there. You should come and see, as the, as the woman at the well would say to her friends and family back in her village, you should come and see what God has done for me. You should really hear what God has done in my life. I thought I was a, a, a child of God just by birth. And while we bear His image, there is a wall of hostility that exists. So let me tell you about how God broke down that wall and how He can do that for you. And then come and follow Him. 
and begin to see, taste and see that the Lord is good. That He makes dead people alive by His rich mercy and unending love and His free gift of grace. And then see where He'll take you. See the works that He has prepared for you and then go out and take that and make more disciples. Paul is is reminding us of the great gift we have in salvation. And we didn't deserve it. But God has a plan for us in our salvation, in our, in our being set free so that we could live our lives in a way that would draw people to Jesus. Not to us. To Jesus. Our grace that we have received in Jesus Christ sets us free to live as we were designed to live, brothers and sisters. That's the good news today. Father, thank You. Thank You for reminding us once again of how good the news is. And when we contrast it with exactly where we started, that news is so good. We do acknowledge I was dead in my sins before I came to life in Christ. Before I reached out and and received that free gift of grace, I was dead. That's what makes your good news so wonderfully good. So Jesus, uh, encourage us today with these words. And Holy Spirit, live within us in a way that, that, that... these words just bubble over out of our hearts and lives that we can't help but live in such a way that our our conversations even bring it about. Father, again, thank You for the free gift. Uh, Free to us. Such a costly gift. Such a high price was paid. And yet You just give it away. Wonderful news. Uh, May we live our lives in such a way that uh, we want to just keep on telling that good news. So Spirit, knit these words in us so that they become part of the fabric of our being so that when we need to find courage in our world to share the good news, these words will help us. May it transform us and the world around us into the image of our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.